Welcome back, Kofkin Bond listeners. I'm running around like a cat on a hot tin roof, but I'm here with two of my favourites today for episode 141. Lucy, Tony, welcome. How are we? I think it's rather sad that Will are sitting in the room and you don't mention him either. No, yeah, <laughs> not that happy, but Lucy, welcome. He wasn't that happy with the introduction last week, Will Art, about the fact that we just do, things flow so much easier without him. I didn't listen. <laughs> didn't we say yeah. that as well? I bet he won't listen because he's not on it. <laughs> so. But Lucy, we have Lucy today. Lucy, welcome. Thanks for the invite. I've had a lot of time to prepare, so looking forward to today's chat. That's how we like to do it. Get us straight in. <laughs> don't tell her what it's about, but... I think she's a bit of an expert in helping a lot of our clients through this, um, and that's why you want to drag her through on this one, Tony. Oh, I think a bit of an expert is an understatement, but we'll see how this podcast goes. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, Lucy is an absolute natural in, in this area of life through her own personal experiences, but also through her own learnings and her ability to be able to teach through her own learnings uh, to clients. Yeah. I've always I've always said the best teachers are the people that have uh, passed and failed it in real life mm-hmm. and then can actually teach those lessons to people to hopefully help them not make those same mistakes. Yeah, so the topic we'll talk about today is money anxiety. Um, and I think money anxiety has a lot of different meanings to different people um, yeah. and how they view it. But I guess the term started popping up post-GFC um, and we really have figured out that it hasn't gone anywhere since. Mm. Um, I guess you would have seen the time, Tony, and the anxiety that happened with people around that. When oh, that absolutely. Crash the anxiety that I went through around that myself. I mean, it's and realistically, anxiety is something that you uh, keeps you up at night, yep. uh, stops you from going to sleep, wakes you up in the middle of the night. I guess it's that constant underlying call, and, fear. <laughs> yeah, and causes a bucket load of stress. You know, and sometimes you hide that stress, but it, it can cause a bucket load of stress and. You know, there is the fear around money in a lot of times, in a lot of cases, for a whole host of different reasons. You know, the um, the uncertainty even during the COVID lockdowns, are people going to lose their jobs or have to take pay cuts? How are they going to meet their mortgage repayments? All these uncertainties that happened at the same time. Yeah, so Lucy, speaking to clients, what have you sort of found? Um, have those conversations led them to talking about their anxiety or is it something you sort of really have to draw out of them? Um, Yeah, I think that what I've seen is that people grow up in Australia and they don't talk about money and that also adds to the anxiety. Um, It's not taught in schools, it's not taught by parents who've just sort of bought the family home and so they don't know where to start. And a lot of the time we actually have clients come to us and they apologise for sharing too much. They tell us, yeah, I'm, I'm sending money overseas to my family. Oh, sorry, you know, sorry if that's, you know, a bit too personal. But it's like, no, that's what we're talking about. We're trying to break down that taboo. And so as soon as you start asking questions and proking and prodding, um, I think that, yeah, clients start to feel really comfortable and, and they know that they can talk to us about it. It's not so scary. And I think we we don't make it very scary at all. Lucy, it's interesting that you say that because you're in your mid-20s. I'm in my mid-50s well not quite but getting there um and one of the things you know I remember growing up we we had a very open family dinner time so there was there was nothing to do you know I grew up in a multi-religious multi-ethnicity uh household and you know a lot of mum's best friends were gay things like that so we, we just grew up sort of in an open household but I know in other people's households as well there were three things that you just did not talk about uh, especially around the dinner table which was Religion, politics, and money. <laughs> and if you had money, it, uh, you could actually be shamed if you spoke about money or boasted about money and things like that. Now, 
you know, it's interesting that I, I think the mid-25 age group, three things they talk quite a lot about is money, mm-hmm. uh, religion and politics. <laughs> so, so it really has swung around where it's an open conversation nowadays, whereas my generation would have grown up where it just wasn't something that you discussed. Yeah, I think it's definitely getting there. I know in my friendship circle with my family as well, I'm, it's really important to me to break down those barriers. I love talking about salary. You know, I actually had a conversation with a friend the other day where she got a new job and I just checked and I said, are we at the stage where we can ask each other what we're earning? And she goes, of course we are. You know, we've been friends for five years. So, yeah, we're we're really trying to break down those barriers and that really helps facilitate those conversations as well. So I've got three more years before I have to answer that question to you. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) I will be following you up on that. (laughs) But I I think that part is, and what you two have discussed, is that sort of first step. It's breaking down the barriers and actually having a discussion about how you're feeling because then it can I guess start to get to the root of the problem about what you're feeling around money yeah and I was in a meeting with Lucy yesterday with um, a couple who were new new immigrants here to Australia and came 2017 and it was actually really interesting because they they were a couple who still send and whereas a lot of immigrants do this still send money back home uh, and you know and it's I wouldn't necessarily even say it was classed as an obligation. It was just something that they did culturally um, as well, rather than necessarily something that, you know, they they finally openly discussed it with us and she was a bit embarrassed uh, by it on that basis, especially because it's trying to save to buy their first house. When you're actually having that conversation, it was interesting because one of the things you opened with, Lucy, which I was really, I really thought you framed it extremely well, Budgeting is the entire first step and total framework of financial planning because you can have all the goals in the world, but if you don't know what your income is and what your expenses are, mm-hmm. and realistically, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're not spending less than what you earn, you've got no capacity to save. Uh, so I thought you opened up that conversation really well and then it really flowed into the importance of it as well, which helped them get over the anxiety of having that conversation with you, I felt. Yeah, and um, on that anxiety piece and the reason that I always lead with that in discovery meetings is my own experience being up to my eyes in debt and not actually understanding that I was going backwards until I put it all into an Excel sheet, looked at it for what it was and went, shit <laughs> you're about to Basically. say something <laughs> different then um and and obviously i knew i needed to do that it was months and months you know in the making and when i finally looked at it it really it almost it almost eased a bit of anxiety in the sense that i knew there was a long road ahead but i knew that there was you know a light at the end of the tunnel so it slowly started to break down a bit of that anxiety as well that was just facing the issue basically so so you think it's important both you to like i guess you're sort of starting to talk about now is that sitting down building out a plan for how you sort of can step this out it's not going to take overnight it is going to take weeks months years um do you probably reach your point and so i think it's also about educating yourself i think i think it is jamie but there's and i can use a couple of examples we had some uh new clients come into us um a few months ago now about three or four months ago they've come on board as clients and these are just your, you know, average income earners, hard workers, actually very charitable, uh, extremely charitable. Um, you know, they, they've both openly said, they're from Bangladesh, they've both openly said they come from nothing and sometimes they feel quite guilty with what they actually have here. 
And that's something that uh, I think Vaughan was quoting before, that if you live in Australia, you live in uh, just on an average wage of 55000 You're in the, I think, what is the top 1%? In, uh, well, I, you said it, did you? Okay, so, so sorry. Hand shut up for recognition, didn't yeah, you? <laughs> how, could, how could I have not known it wasn't the lad? Uh, but, but basically, we live in the top 1%. But it's actually quite interesting because they're now in their late 50s, and they have more accumulated in superannuation and property assets and things like that on a combined household income of about 130,000, 140,000 than some clients who are roughly the same age who are on 400,000 a year. Um, and it was really quite simple. They save and they invested and they had spare cash and they bought another property and then they still worked and saved and had spare cash and bought something else and uh, they've both been employees in large organisations that have always had superannuation too so they've got very healthy super balances as well but I have seen clients who are self-employed or partners in professional firms who are earning $400,000 a year and who are in their late 50s and have super balances of like Mm -hmm. $50,000 and beautiful houses uh, with you know astronomical mortgages attached to them and the kids you know being educated in the private schools and all the rest of it so it it is interesting that your salary doesn't necessarily determine your wealth or level of anxiety or ability to be able to sleep well at night yeah so moving to the other i guess going back to people that may be in debt um as you were talking before lucy that anxiety um of trying to get yourself out of it um there is i guess places like the National um, Debt Helpline, National Legal Aid, Lifeline Crisis, things like that. Did you contact them when you are in that process or was it sort of self-educating yourself to work through it? So my National Debt Helpline was my brother, actually. Um, And I'm not allowed to say this word in this office, but I'm going to mention it just for the purposes of the podcast. I did read Barefoot Investor. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) And it did help me. Because, you know... (laughs) Calling these helplines, you know, I haven't had that experience, but I knew that option was out there, but it's it's scary. And honestly, I was too scared to. And reaching out to my brother felt like, you know, a, a better option at the time uh, and educating myself. So, yeah, Lucy, I will qualify what you just said, though. I've, I've quite often said that Barefoot Investor is one of the best budgeting books I've seen, yeah. teaching people how to budget. There's nothing else in it that I rate, <laughs> uh, but in regards to the... Uh, budgeting and how to do it in simplistic form it is actually an excellent an excellent book yeah the the managing debt I think he talks about a snowball effect um, tackling the smallest debt first and celebrating every win that was what was really important to me um, and it sort of sets these milestones on your path which is really important okay when you say you reached out to your brother uh, older brother um, on that basis why and what were you asking and and <laughs> how were you saying, what should I do? I mean, give us give us a bit of an example because you reached out to a trusted source. I did, yeah. I did, yeah. Well, look, I was, uh, I was too embarrassed to tell my parents mm-hmm. <laughs> the situation I was in. They ended up finding out anyway. Uh, and I just felt like I could be honest with my brother. You know, he's, he's my big brother. He's always taken care of me. You know, didn't have any money that he could lend me. Um, <laughs> but I knew that he'd, re- uh, he'd read Barefoot. I knew that he'd started his investing journey. Yeah. Um, I knew that he sort of had started, yeah, that, that education piece. So I just thought this, this is the person who I can, you know, trust not to tell everyone else and also to sort of help me on my way. And yeah, a big part of that was sitting down, doing the budget, understanding my debts, reading barefoot and then that's actually sort of what started me on my financial planning journey as well as in getting into the career Mm. um you know started with that book and and 
followed by many others. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, the we we talk about anxiety when you realised the situation that you were in, and and I think it's fair to say the situation was through spending money on experiences. Is that a yes? Yeah, so <laughs> lots of holidays and things like that. So it's uh, so rather than you know my parents' generation, not mine, but my parents' generation of there was no credit cards. So you only spent money if you saved it. And if you hadn't saved it, you don't get a new TV. Which would cause anxiety in itself. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, it's interesting though. I think the the difference is, Jamie, is they're a generation of war babies and war children. So they actually grew up with nothing and know what it's like to have nothing. So the idea of having something and saving was actually their little wins, their little inspiration. And they didn't have compulsory superannuation and a whole range of other things too. So it was just a completely different mindset. So whereas they worked hard to strive to make sure my generation, who are the parents of you guys, um, actually didn't have to go through what they went through. And this is where you guys are very open in having those open conversations now as well, because we're talking now two generations. Uh, so your grandparents compared to, say, you guys, completely different. I mean, you, and we've often spoken about, you know, your, uh, your grandmother, you know, a widow uh, at, at a youngish age, worked hard, saved, and, you know, she's, she was just that good, strong, ardent woman. <laughs> you know, other, so, other side, uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, other side. So calm, calm. Well, both mum. sides, really. Yeah, yeah. calm's mum. But, but basically it was, it was a case of a completely different mindset. They didn't have credit. The only credit that they could get was credit to buy, have a mortgage on a house. You could go you could go get lay-by, but they didn't give you the good because I remember getting my Pokemon cards. You still had to pay it had off. To, I had to keep going in every week yeah. to put the down payment on it. Yeah, give me the card. And, oh. and Afterpay is the opposite. So Afterpay was, we'll give it to you and then you have to pay it off. Yeah. You know, so, but, it, but it's lay-by in reverse. But yeah, I, I remember going to Target and mum would buy all the Christmas presents and then every every week or every month going to Target with her. I could never understand, why is she giving them a dollar? Yeah. You know, so, and then they're ticking it off. And then I, used to, I remember I used to go into Kmart. Mum used to pay that, and then I used to get a frog, like the frog, you know, the frog in a pond, the jelly <laughs> and the chocolate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They used to have the cafeterias in Kmart. I remember that. Yeah. The green or red. With yeah, the, me and Mum used to sit down. And I used to get that. it, That's yeah. getting away from anxiety. Maybe there's a happy moment, but <laughs> sugar rush. Yeah. <laughs> when I get my cards, Mum. But but I think that that's where the difference is. So you know, my parents grew up with lay-by, and they grew up, you know, the only debt they had was a mortgage, um, and so I think that it's it's different when you've got and I, I gave a um a talk to graduating students at Macquarie University um probably a decade or so ago now and these were all people going into the professional services and one of the things that we actually spoke about uh that was I said guys what's going to happen is you're going to go from um living on nothing uh, so basically, you know, where Carlton Drafter or Tui's, it was Macquarie, so it was Tui's, uh, is actually acceptable, uh, to all of a sudden you're going to get a job and someone's going to offer you, the bank is immediately going to offer you a $10,000 credit card. Yeah. And you're going to go, wow, or you're going to go and work in that law firm or that accounting firm, one of the big fours, and all of a sudden you realise the $180 suit you have uh, is no longer cutting it. You're going to have to spend $400 on a suit or $700 on a suit or those shoes are no longer cutting it. I mean, when I took you to go down, I showed you where to buy a nice pair of Lloyds. <laughs> so it's, um, and you know, I've, I had, I've had a pair of Lloyds now for 18 years. Uh, don't wear them every day, but it's, um, but I, I think though the thing is, is that all of a sudden they're thrust with all this money, then before they know it, they're 30, 
still got a hex debt or whatever it's called nowadays, help, isn't it? Yeah, I got that still. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, still got yeah. a hex debt, got a mortgage, uh, and a lot of people actually putting off starting a family because of those other extra debts, and and they're, they're still in debt, and they still have money owing on the credit card. Yeah. And can I touch on that for a second? I think that's why the education piece is such an important part of minimising money anxiety. Um, we are in a world where we have a lot of predatory lending happening at the moment. And, you know, I don't like to play the victim, um, you know, with my experience. But as an example, uh, when I booked a holiday through Flight Centre, I didn't actually realise that I was signing up for a credit card. Uh, I thought that it was just sort of a a way of or means of lay buying my my holiday. And so I had something like an interest period of uh, interest free period of eight months. And after that, I started getting that sort of 20 percent interest. And three years later, I still had the debt. Uh, And you see that so much now with those buy now. Debt in a couple of photos. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, You see it so much now with the buy now pay later schemes. Uh, I know there's been recent uh, media attention for uh, an app that was labelled as a savings app, um, but actually is an investment app that invests in the fixed interest market. Um, So sort of all these um, marketing tools that are, you know, targeting young people, uh, getting them into debt when they're young. And then, you know, obviously that has so many flow on effects. So that education piece just becomes really important and being aware, um, you know, of what's out there and what they're trying to do and sort of, yeah, I guess getting ahead. And in saying that, we had a meeting uh, this week, uh, Jamie, myself and uh, Rob Tagani had a meeting this week with, I won't mention the organisation's name, but they're actually building an online game teaching education about money. And basically it's a case of the consequences and there's a lot of things we do in business with our business clients and ourselves as well called scenario planning you know if this happens if we had a pandemic how would you survive or you know we had to go into it was was a bit of anxiety when the first lockdown happened where we didn't know what was going to happen we didn't know what was going to happen to our revenue we all I knew is I didn't want to have to put off any staff so we actually had to factor that uh, in but this company it's actually quite interesting because the scenarios they're looking at is saying so if you do leave the army and buy that black V8 use, that's great for now. You get your DVA payment, you get your black V8 use, and then all of a sudden you've got a situation at the age of 30 where you may be looking at settling down, you might have a child um, on the way. That black $70,000 black V8 ute is now worth 1000 bucks. whereas if that $70,000 was put as a, as a down uh, payment on a house, that $600,000 house is now worth $1.2 million and you've got a mortgage and a baby and you've got a roof over your head, etc. So it's actually, what are the consequences of that? You know, so, and the book by Darren Hardy, Compound Effect, really goes into that fantastically well, that saving that, you know, uh, $5 a day uh, rather than spending it on something you don't even know is gone, but saving that $5 a day and what it can amount to if you just did that for 20 years and what it can amount to over 40 years, put it a compound effect. So, so I think, though, that... Is it fair to say, Lucy, a lot of people don't know where they can save money or don't even know where they spend money? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that uh, some advisors will actually (laughs) uh, print out bank statements and go through them line by line just to say, you know, hey, did you know you're spending $300 a month on coffee? Um, And I know it does come as a a shock to a lot of people. Um, And the other thing that we do... That's why Jamie never buys me coffee anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I know that the other thing that we do um, is... 
uh, we go through line by line expenses and we actually see where we can where we can save a client. So I'll actually tell the client, hey, can you call your electricity provider and see if you can find a cheaper deal and sort of just maximizing that monthly surplus. And yeah, it's it's honestly thousands of dollars that people can usually save per year. Well, it was interesting. Uh, you know, I do know Jamie just recently with his own mortgage, he got a uh, Bankwest said, here's what we'll do for you. Mm-hmm. And he said, fantastic. So he went back to the NAB and said, well, we're leaving because here's what Bankwest are going to do for us. They said, oh, we'll do that. And they did it all for him as well. So whereas, once again, if he, if he hadn't actually gone and looked into that, uh, that situation, well, he would still be paying a higher interest rate and he wouldn't have got his cash back and all the rest of it. So there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with actually making that phone call. Once again, sometimes people feel as though they're you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. But at the end of the day, it's actually your money. Yeah. Your electricity is going to turn on or off no matter how much you're actually paying for it. Exactly. And, you know, you're making a phone call. You know, I mean, I still find phone calls nerve-wracking anyway. Um, Do you? But <laughs> I think that's a generational thing, Tony. Um, but yeah, I like the generation how much for cash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just a matter of asking. Um, and yeah, like I said, it is thousands of dollars that we usually find that people can save per year. Um, and and yeah, uh, it, it really helps. I think you know being able to see that as an annual figure. Um, you've got something to work towards. Minimizes a lot of that anxiety as well. It's one other thing that I'll touch on, and we are having a podcast in the future about this, but a lot of um, separations slash divorces, etc., can actually occur because of money. And sometimes it's uh, financial abuse in a relationship as well, where you have one Uh, one of the couple who is doing things behind the other person's back or the other person was, no, I always leave that up to them to look after that. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden is, how do we have this debt? What do we have? And, you know, and I remember, uh, you know, very vividly, my father did, my father looked after all the financial household, but he didn't want mum to know some of the trouble uh, that he was facing in his business. So when mum wanted to buy a new garage or build a new garage in the house, and mum is not a spendthrift whatsoever, and she's certainly, you know, she, she comes from poverty herself, so she scrimps and saves every dollar. But dad didn't say no. And I was actually the one who had to stand up and say, mum, I think dad needs to be honest with you uh, about the financial situation right yeah. now. And, and that you could call that in one sense financial abuse, but dad just felt that was that generation, that was his role. Yeah. He's, now, mum worked all her life, um, but that was just her role. So. It's, it's interesting where you can have one member you know, of a relationship that is a mad gambler and things like that, and none of this stuff actually comes out until um, you know, these things happen. And Jamie, when Jamie first started here, looked after a, a client where we had to do the financials of a quite a high-profile divorce, and we asked her what her annual budget would be, what she needs to live off, and we still remember she said, oh, 50 grand a year. They, they were spending 300000 a year. <laughs> wow. But that, that she had zero comprehension of actually what was actually being spent. And so there's now even bringing back her lifestyle considerably, there was no way known uh, that she was going to be live on, living off $52,000 a year. So that's when anxiety really kicks in yeah. uh, during those times. So if you could give, uh, and I'm throwing this question at you as a last question, so wind up, Lucy. If you could give three tips to help avoid anxiety about money from the start, no matter how old people are, mm-hmm. what would they be? Uh, I mean, I've said it already, so I'll just summarise. Yep. Um, 
understand your own situation. So, you know, look at it, uh, educate yourself. Uh, and, you know, once you've educated yourself as well, just start, mm. you know, just treat it as a journey and treat it as a start of a start of a journey, I'd say. Yep. I'll add just one last thing in there. So we'll have four points if that's OK. <laughs> and this is quoting you from yesterday's meeting. Just spend less than what you earn. <laughs> so, <laughs> simple. Yeah, simple as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Lucy, thank you very much. Told you we can throw you in the deep end and you'll be fine. <laughs> it was so. a pleasure. Oh, Thanks. Lucy. Thanks. Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co, which we are an authorised representative of Cairn Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.